We are downtown. We are historic. We are family. We are scriptural. We are First Baptist Church. Amen. If you would, turn with me to Judges chapter 3, and we're going to read the first section of our reverse text for today, verses 12 through 17 together. So if you would, let's stand and we'll read it aloud. This then is the text for today. Now the sons of Israel again did evil in the sight of the Lord. And so the Lord strengthened Eglon, the king of Moab, against Israel, because they had done evil in the sight of the Lord. And he gathered to himself the sons of Ammon and the sons of Amalek, and he went and defeated Israel, and they possessed the city of the palm trees. The sons of Israel served Eglon, the king of Moab, 18 years. But when the sons of Israel cried to the Lord, the Lord raised up a deliverer for them, Ehud, the son of Gera, the Benjamite, a left-handed man. And the sons of Israel sent tribute by him to Eglon, the king of Moab. Ehud made for himself a sword which had two edges, a cubit in length, and he bound it on his right thigh under his cloak. He presented the tribute to Eglon, king of Moab. Now Eglon was a very fat man. May God bless the reading of his word. Now you may be wondering why our text ended with, now Eglon was a very fat man. And I think that's important for us to first get to, we, we have a content warning uh, this morning, because our text today is PG-13. You're going to hear some things from the text that you wouldn't normally hear from Scripture, and you're going to hear th some things from the sermon that you wouldn't normally hear in a sermon, but it is of the text. And I also want you to know that I have been at youth camp all week, <laughs> and you definitely hear these kinds of things at youth camp though you don't often hear them from the Scriptures. You see, the details of our reverse text this week, they're, they're a little fuzzy, but some of that just comes from the, the Hebrew to the English translation and other things. But, but for us to begin, let's begin here. Imagine the smell of an unattended porta potty the kind that makes you gag when the door swings shut behind you. As it were, King Eglon's servants thought the smell was from a large man leaving his toilet. It sure smelled like the king had had a bad breakfast, and they were too embarrassed to check on him. See, Israel had been taken by the Moabites, and they had forced Israel into laborious servitude for 18 years. And all of Israel had come to despise their grossly overweight master. To them, this fat pig was worth less than the content of his bowels. And yet he was the one whipping them to work every day. So much so that Israel wept at night. They would lay on their beds unable to sleep because of the anguish of working for such a repulsive man. They hated him so much it hurt. 
So we don't usually imagine these kinds of things when we read Scripture, but it's unavoidable here. And King Eglon's attendants are starting to wonder how this commodious King Eglon has filled the commode like an elephant. And it's a smell you don't forget, but it's a smell you should connect to the goodness of God. See, God intervened. The, the way this story is written, when you smell the rancid fumes of a clogged toilet, you should think of God. And that time he raised up Ehud. The story was meant to be funny. Um, as it comes across in the Hebrew, it is comedic. And we, we lose some of that, that comedic value when we come to the English. And, and you miss some of the subtle details and some of the wordplay. You, you miss some of the things like the names of the story, like, like the name of this king, King Eglon. What, what this means in Hebrew, it, it essentially means a fat cow headed to slaughter. You see, Hebrew, the Hebrews would have read this story and laughed, and not just for the wordplay. But they also would have laughed at all the youth camp bathroom humor you find here. So God raises up Ehud, and Ehud makes for himself a sword, short enough that he's able to conceal it on his right leg. And like every one of those, those Israelites who couldn't sleep at night wanted to do, Ehud got the chance to stand before King Eglon in private. You know, they dreamed about what they would do if they ever got him cornered. And Ehud got the chance, tucked away in the back corner of Eglon's summer home. Ehud told him, I have a message from God. Then he pulled out the unseen sword and rammed it into Eglon's massive belly. So at this point, all Israel would be celebrating and laughing. Their grossly overweight enemy has just been stabbed in his big belly, and the blubber was so overwhelming that Eglon's rolls of fat closed over the sword and swallowed it whole. And the fat man was so fat and full of food that when he got stabbed, his, his bowels were perforated and or moved so that there was a pile of excrement pouring out of his dead body, and all Israel would laugh. Now, we might think the gory details are unbecoming of the Bible. In fact, this week at, at youth camp, Pastor Danny and I spent some time talking about how we might do this story justice and how we would do it justice without being too crude. Because the details are here. We have to preach what the text calls us to preach. And the smelly specifics are integral to the text. It's how he gets away. Why are we given the details of a fat man's bathroom smells? We're, we're given these details because it makes the story memorable. And as this, this story was passed down through the nation of Israel, they didn't want any of their junior high boys to forget how God raised up a deliverer for them in their time of need. And how do you get a junior high boy to remember a Bible story? You throw in a sword and some bathroom noises, and they'll never forget it. <laughs> so when you leave those kinds of details, here in the text, it, it helps you remember the story of how God delivered his children. And you pass it down for generations. 
One of the beautiful things about such a crude story is that it helped Israel's fathers tell a story to their sons. I mean, picture a father telling this story to his son, and they just can't keep from laughing as the son is supposed to go to bed. And the dad gets to tell this story to his son, not just for the sake of a good story, the one that will grab their attention, but, but this story is a warning. It's a, it's a warning for those children who are growing up in a broken world. And, and, and the father is telling his son who's growing up in a broken world, these are the stories you need to know because you are going to know brokenness and God is your deliverer out of every single moment of brokenness. And they wanted those junior high boys and they wanted the church and they wanted all of Israel to remember how God had delivered them and taken care of them. See, the, the purpose of the bathroom humor is to get to the truth. This isn't about the morbidly obese. This is a story about our God. And, and this is a story that reveals the character and nature of our God and, and who he has been and who he's going to be and who he is for the church today. See, God reveals his character through the humor of the story. It's about a God who cares deeply about his children. And when his children are in, pe in peril, when, when his children cry out to him, he hears their cries and he saves them in the most remarkable ways. In fact, you, you, will never, you will never not be shocked at all of the ways that God intervenes and takes care of his children, how he steps in and he saves us from the brokenness of the world. Now he steps in and raises us up as the church, he finds the unique and holy ways to build up his people and keep us safe and keep us near him. You know, our text tells us as, as it comes to an end, it says after this story, um, Israel had about 80 years of peace. And you can imagine year after year, fathers telling their sons this story, moving them past the bathroom humor and into the truth reminding them to never forget their God, never forget the, the stories of the Torah, never forget the, the stories of Scripture, that when you walk out into this world, this, the stories that will save you and the stories you need to know are told to you from the church. They are found in the Holy Scriptures, and this is what you cling to because this world is going to tell you all kinds of things. But what you need to remember first and what you need to remember most are the stories of God's deliverance. You see, this story, even as Ehud uh, sneaks away, as the bathroom door is locked, Israel is, is telling their sons and their daughters, this is, this is a warning. This is a warning about remembering well. In fact, as they're sharing these stories, they, they can tell them of all the days past of when they didn't remember well. Because a couple of things have, have happened here so, so that this story unfolds. And one of those is Israel has forgotten their God. Israel has forgotten his ways. And in fact, if, if Israel would have remembered the stories of Deuteronomy, if they would have remembered the stories of Joshua, they would have been saved. They never would have found themselves in this situation if they would have remembered the stories of God, if they would have held these stories dear, if they would have written them on their hearts, if they would have written them on their doorposts, if they would have clung to these 
these stories, they would have been well and they would have been safe, but they didn't remember. And because they didn't remember, because they had forgotten the stories of God's deliverance, it led to their fall into the hands of the Moabites. Their servitude and their slavery was a direct result of their disobedience that was a direct result of their own uh, forgetfulness because they, they refused to remember these stories and remember them well. And to add insult to injury, they had forgotten Jericho. Now, I hope you remember the story of Jericho. When Joshua was leading Israel into the Promised Land, God parted the waters of the Jordan River as, as the priest's feet, carrying the Ark of the Covenant, stepped into the waters of the Jordan, it parted. And then they, they stepped into the promised land. As they stepped into the promised land, the first settlement they were to take by the power of God was the city of Jericho. And God said, you are not on your own. God said, I am with you. In fact, God said, this is how you overcome the world, is you follow me and you listen to me. And as he set them out into the promised land toward Jericho, he said, you send the Ark of the Covenant because God is the one leading the way. And, and you send the, the worship team, right? You send the trumpets out. And the trumpets are the ones who are going to, to declare the victory of God over the city of Jericho. And he's saying, write this down. Remember this. This is the story that you need to know of how God operates on this earth. And so they did. They marched around Jericho six days, and they come to the seventh day, and they're going to march around Jericho with their trumpets blaring. And after the seventh time of the seventh day, they, they blared the trumpets, and the people of the nation of Israel shouted. And by the hand of God, the walls of Jericho crumbled. This was the first decisive victory that God gave to Israel in the promised land, and they forgot it. Forgot to tell it to their children. And when they forgot it and they forgot to tell it to their children, they began to lose the grip that they had on the promised land. And guess where the fat king had his summer home? Where is the place he was stinking it up? Jericho, the very same city of God's deliverance. This was the first city they took in the promised land. This, this was a mighty act of God, and they gave it up because they had forgotten. And now here we are again back at Jericho, and Israel is struggling. But they find God's favor, find God's favor and they find God's deliverance in Jericho the city of palms. You see, in a way, God was reminding them with the smell of the bathroom that if they would have remembered the fall of Jericho, none of this would have happened. They only fell into the peril because they had forgotten their God and they had forgotten his power and he was no longer first and they were no longer leading out in worship and they were no longer remembering the stories of God's children and God's people. And he said, if you would just remember me and if you would remember my ways, if you would walk with me and worship, if you would allow me to go before you, you would be an unstoppable force in the kingdom of God. But you've been about your own ways and your own things. He said, if you would remember me and remember these stories, you would never have to face these kinds of circumstances again. And the dads of Israel took that seriously for about 80 years. So that when they would smell the bathroom, they would remember that God has delivered us. 
you know, in all of these stories, as we, we come through these judges and we look at, at what's happening to the judges and, and where they're headed and, and what's next, every single one of these judges that, that show us a hint of God's deliverance, they, they give us a, a picture of the kinds of things God does. Every one of these Old Testament judges that we're studying in our reverse text this week are pushing us forward into, into what's next, into this, this future of God. And, and God, God was moving Israel along in the promised land uh, toward Jerusalem towards David as we push forward into the New Testament that, that all of this is setting the stage for a story that we are never to forget. All of these stories of deliverance are, are just a, a bit of a picture of who Jesus Christ is going to be. You know, one of the things that we have to wrestle with when we read stories like this it isn't the, the humor that you can find in the story, but one of the things that we really wrestle with is when we hear these stories about Ehud we always picture ourselves as the, the sort of sword-willing uh, deliverer. We, we picture ourselves as, as James Bond, right? We picture ourselves as the one who's going to, to bring hope and redemption for the people. We want to be the star of the show. But that's not who we relate to in this story. In fact, we are the people who need deliverance. We are the people who are stuck and are, are, are forgetting who God is. And we're the ones that need to be raised up and we need a deliverer. And God said from day one that Jesus Christ was going to be the one to set his people free and to bring them forward into a future that is ordained in and of the kingdom of God. And so we are the ones who needed a deliverer and we have been pointed to Jesus Christ as our Savior, the one who has been raised up and has set us free from death and destruction, who has brought us out of slavery to sin and is making all things right. None of these Old Testament judges could be the complete picture that Jesus Christ was going to be. But now in the days of the New Testament, after Pentecost as the Holy Spirit has come, we can know Jesus Christ and know his story and be saved eternally by the blood of the Lamb. You know, this, this story in, in Judges 3 is, is unique in, in its humor and in its wordplay, but it's memorable. And, you know, Jesus took some of his cues in this. And as he's told stories, they were memorable in their own right. In fact, he gave us a pretty specific uh, way to remember the most important story of the New Testament. And, and the unique way that Jesus has called us to remember the most important story of the New Testament, some have called crude through the years. But what we see in John chapter 6, verses 53 through 56, is that Jesus gives us the gory details of our salvation. They aren't humorous like we find in, in Judges chapter 3, but they bring to mind a picture of life that we are never to forget if we are to be right with God. Look with me at John uh, chapter 6, verse 53. Jesus says to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in yourselves. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is the true food, and my blood is the true drink. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. Jesus gives us the gory details so that we do not forget what happened at the cross. What happened in and through the resurrection of the Christ, how he defeated sin and death and how he defeated evil so that we might be free 
in the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, like Eglon terrorized Israel, sin terrorizes our lives. Like God raised up Ehud to deliver Israel, God raised up Jesus Christ to deliver us from our slavery to sin. And what we need to know this morning is the deliverer is among us. The deliverer is with us. And it's not a, it's not a preacher. It's not a teacher. It, it's not a, a, a leader of this world. It is God's Son, Jesus Christ. He is the deliverer among us. And we are going to follow him or we are going to stay shackled to sin. Those are the only two options that we have in this life. You are shackled to sin. You are a slavery to the temptations that build up in our life, or you are a follower of Jesus Christ. And what God lays out before us is that we have a choice this morning, a choice to remain under the heavy hand of sin or to walk in the service of the kingdom of God by the blood of Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit. So we ask you, where are you this morning? Are you walking in the blood of the Lamb? Or are you still shackled to sin, caught in temptation? Because the only way out is through Jesus Christ. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And it is him we worship together. Let's pray. Lord, we need a deliverer, not of earthly origin, but of heavenly or origin. Lord, we need your son. We need the cross. We need his victory. Because we are too weak to stand on our own. So, Lord, we, we cry out to you saying, bring the deliverer into our hearts, into our lives, that we might be saved from evil and sin and temptation. Because for too long we have been caught up in the ways of the world. And Lord, we beg you to set us free. It's in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. First Baptist Church has been broadcasting its services of new life and historic faith for 46 years. We would like to ask that you continue to pray with us for this ministry and also for your financial support so that we can continue this ministry for years to come. Thank you.